Thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, we would invite you to subscribe or follow this podcast and uh, a five-star rating and review on that platform really helps us out. Thanks for that. And if you might be interested in advertising on the podcast or if you have a, a question or a comment, you can do all that by writing me at mattcastworld, mattcastworld, that's all together, at gmail.com. Well, every time that we create, there is an audience to consider. Now, if it, if it is a, a visual art, we're, we're thinking of people who might filter through a gallery or potential buyers or, or both. Uh, if it's a performance art, we are thinking of the live audience uh, and possibly any professional critics within uh, who might be there as well. Uh, if it's writing, uh, it includes obviously potential readers or reviewers uh, on Amazon or elsewhere. If we are creating a commission, we obviously uh, want to please the person or persons who are writing the check uh, for that to happen. Now, mass audiences are uh, fickle. Just go to Rotten Tomatoes sometime. Uh, a few are the creative pieces that are embraced by everyone, at least immediately. Um, some things that we would now call classics were initially ignored or even disliked uh, when they were released, while other items uh, were initially beloved and kind of hyped, I would say. But as time goes on, we kind of wonder why we like them so much to begin with. My mind goes back to, I think it was around 97, 1997. And if you've ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, uh, you know how powerful it is and what a lasting impact the film has. And you only have to watch the first 20 minutes to get a sense of all that. How many people would be surprised to find out that it did not win the Best Picture Oscar that year? That, uh, that award went to Shakespeare in Love. And there's probably only a handful of people in this audience, I was one, by the way, who saw that movie. And whether it was because Spielberg had cleaned up at the Oscars a couple years before with Schindler's List and they, they didn't want to do that again, or they legit liked Shakespeare in Love, and it's a, it's a charming movie, um, it's no Saving Private Ryan. And I think as, as time has gone on, I think you, if you looked at a list of Oscar winners, sometimes you'll, you'll see the list and you're like, how did that one slip in? when that movie was available. So I want to talk about pleasing the real audience in this episode. Now, again, I'm, 
I'm never a fan of artists who almost seem to despise their potential audience and do whatever they can to sabotage what they're doing in order to, it's almost like they're purposely trying to frustrate them because artists can be like that, especially when they feel like they're becoming predictable or if uh, there's an expectation that you're going to do something the same way you've always done it. Now, some people would call that artistry, and I, and I get it. You, you don't want to be imprisoned into some kind of a uh, stereotype or uh, typecasting. Um, but I, you also got to be careful that you don't do it so much that it's just plain stupid. Because you can end up alienating and losing your audience. So I want to talk about two specific audiences that I think we must primarily be concerned with as creatives. Because I think if we get these two audiences right, then it doesn't necessarily matter what the opinion of others might be. You know, obviously, we want everyone to come along for the ride, but they won't. So there are two audiences I want to focus on in this episode. The premier audience of any artist is the Lord himself. I know that sounds cliche, and in church, you know, we will often remind folks, particularly in worship, that ultimately there is an audience of one, that the people in the seats aren't the audience the Lord is. But, you know, it is true, actually. <laughs> um, our creativity is meant to be an act of worship to Him. Uh, Hebrews 11.5 says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. See, there it is. Folks, that is the ultimate. That, that is epitaph on tombstone worthy. He, he or she pleased God. I can't think of a better tribute than that, can you? Not, she made herself famous, or he made a, you know, he, he, he made a, a, a name out of his brand, or he enriched himself, but she pleased God. And as any artist knows, pleasing God does not necessarily lead to fame or riches. Oh, if only it did. <laughs> So let's, let's be more specific on this, because you could say, well, I don't know, what makes him happy? Um, two things really do. Number one is belief. And number two is obedience. So let me tap into these for just a moment, uh, creatively. Number one, what pleases the Lord is belief. There's a wonderful story in Scripture, uh, in Mark, where... A man brings his demon-possessed son to the apostles, and they're not able to deliver the demon. And um, Jesus shows up. I think he's with Peter, James, and John, actually. They've just come off the mountain of transfiguration. And, um, and so the, the father who's desperate uh, is, is just begging Jesus to do something. And Jesus makes a very important statement. He says, anything is possible for him who believes. 
So what's the belief here? As a creator, what are, what are we believing in? Well, we're believing in the ability and talent that God has given us. Are we trying to tell ourselves that we're as good as Pablo Picasso or um, F. Scott Fitzgerald or uh, Ansel Adams? No, <laughs> no, not necessarily. But, but we do believe that we have been gifted by God to do what we're doing. There's no comparison here. There's no, am I as good as, or am I better than? It's, do I believe in what God has given me? Because there really is so much to that in, uh, in creativity. Because at some point, you and I have to get over the hump of saying, why would anyone want to see this or hear this or read this? And it begins by believing, you know what, God's given me something that can be used to uh, inspire, challenge, whatever it is. Anything is possible to him who believes. And you truly have to believe in the Lord's graciousness and his generosity and his goodness to you. That you haven't been shortchanged, that you're not on his naughty list, that you're not in time out that you haven't relegated yourself to the penalty box because of your sins. His grace makes you step up to the plate. His grace gets you to the canvas. His grace gets you on the stage. It's his grace that makes all of it possible. And that's a wonderful, even playing ground. And boy, artists seem to need to know that more than most. Uh, we have to believe that what, what we're doing is going to do something for someone. We have to believe that the Lord didn't just give us this to tease us. That this is a way, yep, of worshiping him, but also of affecting somebody else. We just have to believe that. And I'm telling you, the enemy is so after your belief. I think a lot of us, when we go long periods of time without creating, it's usually because we stopped believing somewhere. We stopped believing that we can do this. Or to, to quote John Eldridge, we, we don't think we have what it takes. And so we have to believe. We just have to. There is no choice in the Christian faith. You're not a Christian if you don't believe. What do we call ourselves? Believers. And you need to believe artistically in what the Lord has given you. And then number two is obedience. As you and I believe God and we walk this life out with him, I believe from time to time, the Lord can inspire us with specific projects. Maybe not every project. Maybe he just lets us go and sees what we come up with. I, I think he's kind of that way. But then there are times when the Lord may say, here's what you're going to do next, which is exciting. But again, we have to believe, don't we? We have to believe we've heard his voice. And then we have to carry it out. And usually when the Lord is asking us to do something, it's not an easy thing. I think I was about 33, 32, 33 years old. I was a youth pastor, and one day in my time with the Lord, I sensed him inspiring me to do an illustrated sermon about my childhood and early adult life, which was... Uh, a, a bit of a mess. 
uh, I did not want to put that on full display. I mean, it, it was hard enough for me to talk about that and, and uh, go to therapy over that. I didn't want to bring hundreds of people into that. And so I kind of dodged the Lord. Um, you know how we all do sometimes. And we kind of do the, you know, the, the four-year-old, put your fingers in your ears, la, 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 thing, <laughs> at least figuratively. And I dodged him. But the Lord wouldn't let up. He was impressing this upon me through the Holy Spirit for uh, a couple of weeks. And finally, I gave in uh, because he always wins, folks. And it's just, just let him win early. <laughs> and now I had to obey him and do this. And boy, it was the, it's the scariest thing I've ever done in ministry, I think. And um, But I know that morning that we, we performed it, the youth ministry and I, it was a very powerful thing. And a lot of people's, there were a lot of things opened up in people that needed to be and began a process for a lot of folks. And had I not been obedient, there might have been a number of people who would have just buried some of their stuff in the sand and not begun a process of healing and discovery with the Lord. And I know the Lord was pleased with that. We need to believe and we need to obey in our creativity. Uh, one night, I was uh, I had just become uh, a state youth director in my denomination. And this was either my first or second. It may have been my second opportunity to speak to uh, a youth group since I had uh, assumed the office. And I remember the youth pastor was really prepping me and um, excited about my arrival. And I, I remember getting there that night and... Uh, Wow, it was rough. It was a rough. It was a rough night, man. Every, everything I said just kind of fell off my bottom lip and hit the floor. Nothing was uh, registering, and you know, I think I, I made an appeal for the students to come forward and pray, and no one responded. I, I, I was even doing general topics like, if you've ever sinned in your life, come forward. You know? I mean, it wasn't like that, but no one responded. And uh, the youth pastor had said that um, a group was going to go to a restaurant, and could I join them? And I said, sure. And I got in my car, and the enemy immediately began assaulting and he began saying things like, boy, hmm, I don't know. I mean, things are kind of supposed to happen when the state youth director shows up. I didn't see anything happen tonight. And uh, I thought, oh, man, you know, maybe I, maybe I didn't listen to God about this job, or maybe I don't have what it takes. And I was questioning my belief. And somehow, some way, the Lord broke into that awful conversation. And he asked me two things. And just within you know, my heart, these questions were asked. Matt, 
did you say what I want you to say tonight? And I said, yeah. Then he said, did you do your best? And I said, yeah. And the Lord said, start the ignition and go to Applebee's. And that was such a freeing night for me because I recognized that sometimes the audience right in front of me may not respond the way the audience above me is responding. Artists, I want you to remember that while you're creating. I want you to believe in what God's given you to do and then obey whatever he's given you to do. And we need to believe we can do this and then obey him in what to create. Do your best. And then what happens after is out of our control. And then we're okay, actually, with getting a standing O from the maker of the universe, even if he's the only one. And regardless of how many stars we get, we still believe in him. talking today about pleasing the audience and specifically two audiences that I think must be addressed in our life. And we've already covered number one, and that's the father himself. The second audience we need to please is ourselves. All right, take a breath here, Christians. I'm not, I'm, I'm not becoming worldly here in my philosophy. I'm, I'm not reaching for the uh, everybody gets a trophy, you're awesome no matter what <clears throat> trope. Uh, if I'm really talking to an artist, uh, chances are <laughs> you're rarely pleased with anything you do. And when you look back at most things you did years ago, you, you almost hide your head in shame, don't you? Not because you should, because you shouldn't, frankly, but because... We of all are the most difficult to please. It's easier to think God is pleased than we are sometimes. And that's why I did the order the way I did in this episode. We're not a better authority than God. Oof. I'm going to say that sentence again. We are not a better authority than God. I mean, think about the implications of that. That's what we're saying, kind of, when God's thumbs up isn't enough for us. It's almost like, you know, when your mom likes what you do, you're like, well, she kind of has to. <laughs> we got to come back to that belief thing again, don't we? You see, when it comes to pleasing ourselves, it, it can't be results-based. I think that's what we're saying a lot in this episode. The Lord never guarantees uh, the love and adoration of other people in anything that we make. 
I mean, I wish it was true when the Lord said, if you, if you follow my will, everyone will get on board, you know? Only eight people went on the ark. Everybody else thought it was the biggest joke, literally the biggest joke they've ever seen. And that was a, a creation that nobody embraced. I, I've just told you a story. I've had plenty of sermons that, I mean, went nowhere. And I thought it was going to be a magical morning. And I couldn't get out of the building fast enough. Because it seemed to affect no one. You know, Jesus didn't exactly always bring down the house when he spoke. I mean, if you read John chapter 6, Jesus gives a really tough teaching to his followers. And he's, he's talking about things like eating his flesh and drinking his blood. You know, this is, not, this is not the series you bring your unsaved friend to, right? And he almost lost his entire audience that day. It, if we read the scripture correctly, everybody but the 12 were like, okay, hey, we're going we're gonna to go back to our homes and lives now. I mean, if it happened to the Lord, come on now. I mean, if he were a pastor, they would have called an emergency board meeting. But he always pleased the Father, and that was enough for him. Regardless if masses of people followed or masses of people walked away, he wasn't going for the crowd. He was going for the committed. This is an act of worship. This is not an act of enrichment. I mean, surely you know that by now, right? <laughs> it would be nice if our work was successful and, and successful immediately and provided us a platform and a living in order to give our full attention to it. But really, what are the chances? We'll kind of be chasing our tail, looking for financial pots of gold that maybe don't exist. And, we'll, and to do that, we'll think more about pleasing man instead of pleasing God and being authentic to who we are. Then nobody, and us most of all, is happy. We cannot base our love or God's love on how others react. We can't base our art on the results from it. Assuming we believe him and are obeying him, we, we have to leave the results in his hands because the Lord knows what we can handle when it comes to response. It also cannot be perfection-based. To me, this is even a bigger uh, issue to, uh, to understand because uh, uh, perfectionism, I think, is a real enemy of artists. Um, let me, I, I do think we need to strive for excellence, however. Daniel chapter 5, uh, it's that really wild story of King Belshazzar, who was just a reprobate king, and his dad had done all the conquering, and he did all the partying. And, <clears throat> and this is the night that he would get judged. And there was a mysterious hand that writes on the wall. Oh, you got to read that, Daniel 5, if you've never read it. And so they're, they're trying to figure out what got written on the wall. 
So verse 10 says, the queen came into the banqueting hall and declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, you can almost hear us say, remember him, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Verse 12, because an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel. He had an excellent spirit. Now that, I think, is what we strive for in artistry. We want to strive to have an excellent spirit. In other words, we're always doing our absolute best. But let's remember, we're, we're fallen people. We're not perfect. Therefore, what we create will not be perfect. We, we cannot wait until our story or our painting or our script or our acting is perfect and flawless because uh, we we won't release it at all. We'll never let anyone see what we can do. It'll never be seen. I mean, our perfectionism will not only drive us to ulcers, it'll also affect those around us too. I can think about just some really unhealthy times in my life, and um, it was really revealed in my perfectionism and of what I would demand of myself, which was unrealistic, and then of others around me, which was sometimes worse. Folks, there's no perfection coming from us anytime soon. But God gives more grace. You're never going to get that thing perfect. Just use your excellent spirit to do what you can, and then let it go. And just say, hey, I know God's applauding, and uh, that's enough for me then. All right, here you go. His grace is more than enough to work through our weaknesses so that God is the one who looks strong, not us. Isn't that ultimately kind of what we want? I think our perfectionism is about ourselves. We're hoping we get noticed and loved and adored and applauded and rewarded. When really, if we're doing this correctly, God is the one not only giving the applause, but getting it. Isn't that really the goal? That people see what we do and they glorify their Father who is in heaven. That's what Jesus said in, in Matthew 5 about letting your light shine before men. They can see the good work that we do creatively and glorify God. And say, wow, look, look what God is doing through their life. Folks, you want to talk about reward. Eternally, it doesn't get any better than that. Being perfectionistic is deadly. Being excellent is godly. 
So make yourself more pleasable. <laughs> Give it your best. Have an excellent spirit. Get God's applause, which is a lot easier than yours and others. And then put it out there. And we'll see what happens. But well, we appreciate you being a part of the Madcast. Please share this with a friend. We'd love to have more people along for the ride here at the Madcast. If you have a question or a comment, email me at madcastworld at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. Uh, for more information, if you want to hear our archives, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time.